Hi, this is Chad Pfeiffer. And I'm Chris Lackey from the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And you are listening to Seven Land Hand. Get it. HPPodcraft.com. It's Seven Land Hand! Woo! Brought to you by Good Games. Get your rocks off with Gen Con 2017's big seller, Unearth. If you can gather stones faster than my granddad's kidneys, he'll be full of wonder while he gets full of diuretics. You have three friends with oddly shaped heads, but before you feel like Tinky Winky playing Minecraft, your friends are called Delvers, and they help you bid for ruins. Is that enough intro explanation? We're going to need to do the podcast, aren't we? Less Teletubbies, more Seven Land Hand. Unearth is an American metalcore band from Boston, but it's also a set collection dice-rolling, push-your-luck game from Brotherwise Games. It was designed by mathematical madmen Jason Harner and Matthew Ransom. It's a game for two to four players, desperate for 30 to 60 minutes of delving. It's so new, the only thing that it's won is a wheelbarrow load of gushing nerd videos. And this is a podcast, so we're above all of that. (laughs) The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Long ago, your ancestors built great cities across the world. Now your tribe of delvers must explore forests, deserts, islands, caverns, and mountains to find these lost cities. Claim the ruins, build places of power, and restore the glory of a bygone age. One disclaimer before we proceed. Jason Harna and Matthew Ransom aren't actually madmen. We were just kidding. Uh, For a change. However, in season three of Community, each of them made an appearance as Dean Pelton's clothing. It's fascinating. It's a good gig if you can get it. What does it all mean to gamers, though? Joining me today, dirtier than a low-vis, high-vis miner's vest, it's flotation operator Matt McCow. If it's a rock and it sinks, it's probably a rock. Unless it's one of those floating rocks, in which case... Flotation expertise. And blast helper Jamie Lawrence. Kaboom! Hey, how you going? You're blowing things up over there. Those are all entry positions for mining, by the way. Or straight out of the handbook. Uh, straight out of the internet handbook. <laughs> yeah. And another crash position, correct? So uh, what geeky activities have you guys been digging out of your respective cupboards this month? It's, uh... oh, oh, me, me. Oh, oh, all right, okay. Jamie, you jumped Jamie. in first. Uh, it's con season. So traveling all over the country, doing conventions, and having absolutely no weekends to myself. It's been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also it, like, it actually is really cool um, I really really like some of the, the relationships you form when you're working the same con over and over again with the same people who are travelling and doing their little booths um, I love the fact that no matter where I go you know people are coming up and asking for games and I'm, I'm selling them to them and they're going away happy and it's uh, it's really cool and I got to uh, I got to for about 10 seconds in passing meet Jenna Coleman the other day who's uh Formerly the doctor's assistant, Clara. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was really cool. So, which which conventions were you at? Uh, I've been at Magic Nationals in Canberra, uh, Brisbane Supernova, Sydney's, oh, sorry, Brisbane Cos Comic Con, Sydney has Comic Con, uh, and then I've got uh, Brisbane Supernova and PAX Australia coming up soon. Okay. I suspect I'll be seeing uh, at least one person on this podcast at PAX Australia as well. Yes, Aaron and I are popping yeah. over to do some commentary for the uh, Good Games Magic Championship yeah. finals. Yeah, we just saw uh, the guys who were playtesting the other day at Cannington Good Games, just a couple of the finalists. I think there's four finalists from uh, each of the WA stores. Yeah, uh, and so you, you, you found a way of uh, talking about magic 
while making it exciting and we've been doing it for nearly five years now <laughs> no no i mean i mean your, le- your level of commentary so you know your tony Gregg and your richie Benno sort of no thing going this on. is no? me this... and aaron <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a lot better i'm yeah, sure yeah yeah <laughs> i'll be wearing do, a white do jacket like the, do your commentary like the wrestling does where one of you is you know really good and cheers for the good guys and one of you is really really mean and nasty customer and uh <laughs> And cheers for all the bad guys. Yeah, probably. That pretty much sounds like that one. Yeah. Well, we'll try to inspire arguments between us and yeah. that sort of stuff for sure. I was at um, this weekend just gone was uh, the Southern Hemisphere Open, the first event, uh, first inaugural convention, uh, gaming expo here in Perth. Called uh, Southern Called Hemisphere. Show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah show for short. Um, and I was running RPGs up there for the entire weekend and I had a blast. I had a great time. I really did. Um, I ran games for, uh, for war gamers who had, uh, space in between their, their tournament matches. I ran games for people that just walked in off the street. I ran games for kids. And um, I discovered that out of all of those groups, the kids were the most ruthless yeah. and uh, and bloody-minded <laughs> of the lot. They, uh, I even set it up so that, okay, we're going to have a non-confrontational scenario here, just go into a little bit of exploration. No, it turned into a, um, a bloody sibling rival- rivalry that, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I ended up having to get one of their parents mm. to intervene on. And how long but, was it before wow. uh, Southern Hemisphere <laughs> Open discovered that you were there and kicked you out for not being invited? <laughs> it didn't take long at all. No, yeah. no, three days. I got through three days before they noticed. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Wait, when was the last time that a barbarian rogue went, and a rogue went on an adventure and their parents had to intervene? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, no, it was a lot of fun. I, I really um, enjoyed it and... and they got quite a few people through the door, so good to the, um, you know, good Four on them. them. They've started something that hopefully will uh, have legs and continue on. But we'll, you know, we'll see. Hmm. Um, on the TV front, uh, Star Trek Discovery has started. Oh yeah, I so yeah, really good too. Yeah, no. yeah, I agree, Jamie. I hope, I hope I agree. I've heard other reviews so far. Yeah, yeah, no. but no, it's okay. I've got no opinion of my own. I haven't seen any of it. Oh, well, it's actually the interesting thing is not so much that Star Trek Discovery is on; it's just the way they're actually releasing it. Netflix is uh, uh, releasing it. it episodically. Yeah, I hate that. Why? So, why do that? That was the golden thing about Netflix that you could get it all at once and just and just marathon it. But now we have to wait. It is a little frustrating waiting, especially when they've made me so used to seeing the entire thing at my own pace now. Yeah. I See, I don't have that, that problem because I think there's so much on there at the moment anyway that uh, I, I, I've got plenty oh, of absolutely. stuff to fill it with. So, hmm. um, yeah, yeah, you can absolutely fill your time, but, you know, but when because, you want to know what happens next. But because <laughs> there's so much stuff, though, when I'm, when I'm looking to choose something, I choose something that I can marathon. Like the other day, I was looking for a documentary because I like watching documentaries. And Netflix do this thing where it'll be a season of them. You yeah. know, so it'll be like eight episodes. I don't want to watch eight episodes of a documentary. I want to watch an hour and a half documentary. Whoa, that blew me away. I found that. It was amazing. I won't get into it on here because it was proper heavy. <laughs> but I saw like a, another one. And it was eight episodes. So I just, it seemed it seemed like, oh, did he do it? Did he not do it in episode one? I just scrolled through to episode eight to see if there was actually going to be a hint that they were going to turn it around and find out who really did it. Yeah. Quite the question in episode eight was still, is he going to have to come to terms with the fact that they haven't found out who did it? And I was just like, ah, forget about it. If there had been some sort of reversal, 
I'd have watched I it. But mean. still, it's just too much of an investment, this eight episodes for that sort of... Well, for a documentary. <laughs> um, have you guys heard that Star Wars Episode Nine is being directed by J.J. Abrams? I don't yes. think we've heard anything, Jamie. I think you might have to log <laughs> out and log back in again. Your sounds, sound seems to be getting worse. But so, yes, I, I uh, heard that J.J. Uh, Abrams has jumped back on board with... so. Um, Oh, with the Netflix series, or what were we talking about? No, with the next, um, with the next Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. yeah. So, uh, obviously, isn't that the one where people were voting to to get him off? Just to like, not, that sounds right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, that's right, totally right. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the yeah. big uproar saying get rid of him, but uh, no, he's back at the helm and. <laughs> But it's just, I think it's the story of the Star Wars franchise in general. It's been very tumultuous. It's um, had a lot of issue over the years. When, I was thinking about this. Another I was example. thinking, okay, give us, give us episode four, five, and six, and mm. never make another one again. You asked me what my favorite movie is today. I would probably say Star Wars. But because they made all of the other ones, you say, what's my favorite movie today? And I'm like, well, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> because it's all sort of been watered down yeah. so much. Um, and it doesn't make the original any better or worse. But for some reason, it, it makes my opinion of, of how great it is in my life far less. I, I think, I, you know what, I, I absolutely agree with you that once upon a time, yes, I was dead keen interested but now i am getting a bit of that i don't really care so much factor about it um they can bring out all the rogue ones and han solo movies and boba hey, like, fett movies they and i like, still enjoy them but I, i've enjoyed all of them i don't bust my chops to see them whereas once i, I would have done that and i think this is what where all the uh, all the haters come from for any star wars movie is if you were a child of the 70s and you walked into the movie theater in, yeah. in the late 70s and saw it after, like I did, after only being able to see uh, Cowboy and West, Cowboy and Indian movies on the telly in black and white uh, at your grandma's place, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you walk into the cinema and here's a movie for you with huge space opera. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever. And nothing can have that kind of impact on you when you hit your 20s, 30s, 40s, mm. because you start to get into a stage where you've seen everything. Yeah, it's, it's saturation. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's true. Look, I mean, I really did like The Force Awakens. I, I don't understand why people are in such a roar to get rid of J.J. Abrams. Um, it seems like if you're going to make more Star Wars movies, why not make them with a dude who made a good one? Yep. No, I, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything against him at all. I think he's done a good, he's done a good job, really, but it's just no longer my thing anymore. Not, the, not these ones. So I'm, I'm, I'm... You'll go and see them all. Of course I will, but I, <laughs> yeah. won't, I won't go and see them first week out. I won't. I won't uh, jump on the social media bandwagon and and uh, and you know tout their uh, yeah, but you know, Lord, their, as soon their, as Star Wars uh, like whatever one's coming next is a Han Solo uh, movie, as soon as that trailer hits, we'll be um, we'll be posting oh. it on our page because <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, what other movies do we do that for? But um, yeah, that actually that's really true. Yeah, yeah. hey, uh, you know, Wonder Woman <laughs> hit Blu-ray this uh, on the. Yes, I saw that. Boom, yeah. got that. That was just as much fun second time around. Yeah. Loved that. Uh, something I'm looking forward to coming out uh, is Murder on the Orient Express, which is coming yeah, out. Yeah, looks really good. At in November, they all did it. Uh, isn't that they just gang <laughs> totally joke. ganged up on him? And yeah. I assume, um, but anyway, Kenneth Branagh's in it. No, nah. uh, he's a bit of a he's an awesome actor in why, my opinion. Why? What? Why can't we just have a movie? They always say this. Why can't we just have a movie that was based on a story that someone just thought up? 
Why are we doing Murder, Ex- Murder on the Orient Express forever? Is it only because people that were born in the 90s haven't heard about this thing? Like, what is this mysterious story? Who is this Agatha Christie? This is bizarre. Do you know, I've, I've never seen the Agatha Christie one. Oh, so, I haven't either, or but even it's, it. one of the, it's more like one of those things. It's like the Bible. Jesus gets nailed to a tree <laughs> at the end, I think, at the end. You know, people people kind of know where these things go, right? They yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Titanic. And Don't stuff. make a movie Why of it. Why rehash it? You yeah, what's going to happen with the Titanic? I hope they make it. They're not. <laughs> it's going to sink. Um, speaking of things that are coming back, uh, right. Jamie, this one is <laughs> going to be. <laughs> this one's going to be right up your alley, Jamie. Uh, Legend of the Five Rings RPG oh, Beta is yes. uh, about to pop. Start comes out next week. So um, I, I'm already making plans. To, rings makes me happy. I'm already making plans to run the beta at uh, uh, in store. So yeah, so I'm right on board. Very cool. The um, All right, well, I, I want. I I've, got a, I've got a shout out. Got? For, I've got a quick shout out for Ixalan because it's been brilliant. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a fortnight when um, I'm back in here yeah. with Aaron. Um, but uh, I've been. The, the thing I like a lot about Ixalan, the thing that is really amazing for me, is that. Wizards finally got their, their product timing right. They released a magic set about dinosaurs and pirates and Aztecs and a D&D adventure about dinosaurs, yeah, yeah. Aztecs and pirates at the same time. I know. It's <laughs> amazing. Much, and the artwork's not a million miles from each other either. No, no. Mm. What were you going to say? It was. Oh, I've, I've just, uh, as, as I mentioned in the intro, dropping in the uh, a tip of the hat to community, I've been watching Mad Men. What's the connection? Alison Bree's a connection. Still got to get a cutout of Alison Bree's head, and I'm going to stick it on. We're, behind us, we've got a big, uh, you know, the Shadows Over Innistrad magic banner, and it's got the Angel Avison. Ooh, Avison rhymes with Alison. Going to put a face <laughs> on her, make it the Angel Allison. We are now the yeah. Alison Bree <laughs> fan podcast. Yeah, we are. We're the Alison Bree podcast. Um, and you know, she's, uh, she's also one of the regular cast members in uh, Bojack Horseman, if you want to. Get into something else with yeah. uh, Alison Brie dark Prob- humour. Probably <laughs> will. Yeah. No, I love I, I love Mad Men. Although it's making me start try things like I knew we've had a bottle of vodka in our kitchen for years, and um, they drink so much on Mad Men it's ridiculous. And I'm just like, I wonder what, I wonder <laughs> what that's it. like. Oh well, I'll get some ice out and I'll have some <laughs> vodka and I'll set some. Oh, here's some orange juice. Oh, vodka and orange. That's I think that's the first vodka Ooh, and orange. Here's I've ever a had. reason for me to start drinking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just get into that. It's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so. I've got one shout out. Yeah. Um, for a podcast that I've picked up recently called The Adventure Zone. Uh, five, four guys, uh, three three brothers and their dad sit around playing uh, D&D. And uh, that's a podcast. Okay. <laughs> and it is funny. I, I, it's the funniest thing I've come across in, in ages in terms of podcasting, besides ourselves, of course. But uh, This isn't funny. <laughs> oh, it's not? No, no. I better change the rating then. Um, yeah, so any- I, I can see that that would work because those four guys, being brothers and their father, would come preloaded with so many in jokes and well, history. it does. Yeah, the, the, when they start playing the characters, it all come out. But yeah. That could be good. They started playing. I, I went back to the first episode and they started playing the. Uh, the fifth edition box set, Minds of Fandelva, and that's how that was their introduction to the game. Three out of the four of them had never played before, including the dad, uh, and so they bumbled their way through it. And it's just, wow! It, it just reminded me so much of the first few times that I I went through it and stumbled, and so yeah, I think there was a lot in there for for uh, nostalgic cool. reasons. I think, and 
Yeah, I think that's about it. That's yeah, about it. I'm skipping my weekend. One last shout out goes to, uh, to Kickstarter. The seventh continent to me after about a year and a half, um, which is an amazing board game. It is uh, effectively a choose-your-own-adventure book for a team of players. Uh, and, and it just... You gradually build this map of an island as you're playing and you explore around it and find things and you're trying to escape because you've been cursed. And it's, it's just all really, really cool 1900s turn-of-the-century sort of stuff. Uh, so the characters include... Dudes like uh, Mark Twain and H.P. Lovecraft, and uh, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. This is the second, and so they're releasing a second edition of that game plus a box expansion, which uh, effectively doubles the number it's of just cards. Just live on Kickstarter. Yeah, no, no, I, I did see that, um, and that was a that was a quite a novel idea, uh, but. I couldn't see myself getting into it because uh, what I found was that for for what it is, a card game, essentially, uh, the I th- found the price point was really high for just a bunch of cards. But the, the shipping um, is pretty scary on that bunch of cards; <laughs> pretty pretty heavy. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. So I dived out of it. But uh, now the second editions come back around. I, I think I might give it another look. Because what they've added to it seems to have really fleshed it out. It's given it a different sort of set of locations, a different set of characters, as you say. Um, so it's You're worth another look. You can come over and play anytime you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you said at the top. You've got it. Did you? Oh, I didn't realize it had shipped yet. The um, the first edition has shipped. Yeah, yeah, the, okay. The yeah. second one's still on Kickstarter now. Mm. Fair enough. Well, guess what? Let's Fair unearth enough. something else, shall we? Oh, let's, yeah, let's uh, reboot uh, Jamie while we're doing it. Right after yeah. this bit of, <laughs> bit of music, see if we can get some good sounds. Advert! Win! Win! Uh, Unearth for commenting on the Facebook page for this show, episode 103 at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. We'll announce last month's winner of Takedo later in Neats and Twos. They'll this- have to walk for it, though. Yeah. This month, to determine the winner, Good Games HQ dug so deep into the earth, magma oozed to the surface, that molten lava spelt out a name. And we'll tell you that name later in Neats and Twos. It's remarkable that that should happen, but it did. That they come up with something uh, related to the game every single time. Yeah. They're very creative over at HQ. Yeah. I'll try I'll tell you what, the Seven Land Hand team, you guys don't appreciate how wrecked our office looks because of this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Hamster racing and... Going for walks out in Japan. Well, no wonder when no work gets done. And now digging deep into the earth and magma oozing to the surface. How am I ever going to get that out of the carpet? And every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, it will be Unearth. Unearth. What on Unearth. <laughs> While stocks last, Seven Line Hand listeners can get 10% off Unearth at every Good Games store above sea level. All you have to do is enter your local friendly good game store, delve into your pod memory, and say, Can you dig it? Can you dig it? That's for all of October. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? (laughs) That's while stocks last. Okay, on with the show. Right, unearth. It's it's here. It's this yes. new 
lovely looking box. It is a beautiful looking box. You can actually see it on our unboxing yeah. uh, video, which now, there we are, put up recently. There are two artists that uh, produced the art for this. We're jumping ahead, but there's two artists. But you, can, you only need to need, read the first person's name. And I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but the name is Jesse Riggle. And that's, I think that's a, a fantastic name. The other, the other person is David Pietrandrea. Pietrandrea. But Jesse Riggle. <laughs> that just makes me giggle. Do you know what I really I dig? School, his last name was and Riggle. I hope you can dig it too. Yeah. Is the, the art style for this game. It, it is so different from everything else. It is. It is very nice. I was just, I was just looking at the font this afternoon on the box. I was I found mm. myself you know like maybe a minute into just looking at the font, going, "Oh, there's little curls on the thing." But besides yeah. besides yeah. the point, Jamie, where are we when it comes to playing on Earth? What's the general uh, story behind this one? Well, let me tell you. Long ago, your civilization was amazing. It was. Well, thank you. <laughs> this wondrous, sophisticated, beautiful, amazing place, and then. There was a cataclysm. Something ended life as you knew it. Now you and a small tribe of survivors are trying to reclaim what was lost to you. You're trying to rebuild your broken civilization. And most of all, you're trying to remember where you came from. Mm. The way you do this is by scoring a lot of points. <laughs> Sounds like every day at work. I always try to remember where I came from, and I'm always looking forward to getting back there. You know, seven and a half hours every day. I'm going, oh man, more of this. Well, the objective. So it's yeah. a very lovely story about how we get to this point. But in order to win the game, uh, we're competing with other players, and we're yeah. trying to to claim the most ruins and gather the most stones. And the stones are, are uh, like a resource used to build our wonders. Uh, so we've got. Lots of ways we can try and win. Uh, we can claim by the ruins. We can claim the stones. We can... Um, and and not, it's not just claiming the ruins either. It's either claiming specific ruins or claiming sets of ruins. That yeah, yeah. Set collection kind I of found it very deal. much like... Um, it had some parallels with Seven Wonders in that degree where you're, you're rebuilding uh, particular sites and... Yeah, but so only I found in that a bit store of a now. Really, yeah, it's, it handles a lot differently. Yeah, but in order, the ultimately, the way you win is by accumulating the most uh, victory points at the end of the game. Oh, that old chestnut! That old chestnut. Yeah. That's it. So you're, you're simultaneously trying to claim these these ruins, uh, so that presumably you can piece together the mystery of what happened to your civilization, and you're also at the same time building uh, little hexagonal sections of city. Um, yeah. Out of uh, out of the wonders, out of, out of the stones you collect, yeah. which will then let you build wonders, which can score you extra points, but can also give you abilities in the game. That's a quite a little fancy little thing. Those stones that you collect, yeah, you make up a, a like, tableau. Uh, no, no, they're the hex, the stones you collect. Yeah. It's not a tableau. You, you can make them like a honeycomb sort of shape, <laughs> and, <laughs> you, and you plot your um, you plot your uh, yeah. what, what are they called? The um, the um. Oh, well, actual, the little, oh, there's a little tile, isn't it, that goes with the wonders? That's what it is. It's a little hexagonal. Yeah, that's um, it. So you claim shit. the you claim the ruin and oh the the, the wonder, and then you put that little hexagonal tile comes with it, into yeah. your, uh, your. Is it a ruin, a city of ruin, or your city that you're building? Uh, so which I think in that respect is very much like a tableau because it expands. 
everything you add on to it. So, right. you know. Yeah, it's your own, it's your own little, little... Yeah, they're all unique. Yeah, so mm. I, I built... The one I built is going to be different to yours, to, different to Jamie's, is different yes. to whoever no, else absolutely. is across the table. Should we talk about... Should we talk about the pieces yes, so that we can yeah. talk about the game? Yeah, absolutely. Because then you know what we're what we're talking about. All right. So, so what's in the box then, guys? What do you get apart from what you've already seen us do in the? Uh, and we totally got it all wrong as as far as you know. When we label everything as per yeah. every unboxing we do, and we make up what it's for, and we're all wrong. So, what actually <laughs> is in the box, and this, what is it called? Well, we're going to start with my favourite part of the box, which is uh, the dice that you get, which are your little delvers, and. And what's what's cool? What's yeah. cool uh, is the, the the three little characters that are all over this box. This is a lovely little design twist. And these characters are called Delvers. They're like little Smurf characters, but they've all got different shaped <laughs> heads. And the penny drops when you look at their heads and you go, oh, one of them oh. has a D eight head. One of them has a D six head. Yeah. One of them has a D four head. And it's not immediately obvious but when you realise that that's what that's saying and what the dice are that relates to it, and that they're called the Delvers, and using the dice to Delver, boom, yep. design, you. fantastic. That's it. There's a little uh, story, hidden Easter egg, if you like, in there with the game. So, well, not um, anymore. There, was a, there was a kid at school <laughs> we picked on that we called T Forehead. <laughs> that poor, poor child. Oh, kids are mean. Uh, what else do you get? You also get a, a bunch of different size cards. There's actually three different size of cards in this game, just to confuse mm. everybody and make you go out and buy... Uh, decks, different sleeves. card sleeves for different sizes. But you're not shuffling too much, no. so don't sweat it. No. There's the large tarot size cards, which are the ruins, There's uh, and the end of the age uh, deck. You've got the mid-size cards, which are your standard uh, card size for the wonders deck, and then there's the smaller delver deck, which is uh, those little uh, euro... I think they're called... Uh, Mini euros. euros. Mini euros, yeah. yeah. So those are the, the cards. Uh, there's a very, very nice cloth bag. It is, isn't it? It's such a good yeah. camp. You can make a pair of shorts out of the material. You could. You Very buy enough small copies. Pair. You make enough, buy enough copies of Unearth, stitch, say, seven or eight of these together, and you'd have a decent loincloth. <laughs> you could sit on that for quite a while. No, but it is. It's really good quality. No. Um, and I think that... And a large number of hexagonal tokens to go in the bag as well. Yes. And those are the stones I was talking about earlier on. And that's that's it. That's the sum of its components. Oh, a rule book, of course, and a couple of nice uh, reference cards. So, yeah, the rule book weighs in it. at twelve pages, which did frighten us a little bit when we start. But the text is is large. It is, and yeah. and a lot of it is just um, uh, tiebreaker rule yeah. stuff and examples. Yeah, stuff like that. It's nothing too heavy, really. It's one no. of those that you'll you'll read in no time, get the hang of. It's got a very nice setting up the game section, which uh, is itemized from one, uh, one to eleven, and then tells you walks you through the setup of the game, which is really really good for first time players. Uh, as long as you can look at the the pictures of the cards, you and relate that to the to the setup section that you're on, you find it very easy to set up the game and get running. Well, you uh, can. We find a problem. The setting up the game page right across from the yeah. pictures of what your cards so are. Nice and easy. Page. And it's stuff like this. Step rule step one. Place all of the stones, tiles in the cloth bag. You know, I mean, Matt's busting I never to messed read that up. the entire yeah. uh, instruction manual on air, but we're not going to do that. Actually, when I say so, I never messed that up, you, we did actually mess that up. We put the dice in the bag the first time around. Yeah, well, no, that was our guess. That's yeah, that was, we that was a guess, yeah, yeah. So we were wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. We were wrong so about that. Let's talk about what it actually looks like on the table in front yeah, of us. Yeah. 
a hot mess, especially um, if you swish all the cards around. No, no. But don't swish oh, all the cards around. Don't that's do that, that's Matt. my pro tip okay. for a start. Yeah, all right. That's where you went wrong. <laughs> so each player's got their own set of coloured dice. Uh, they're going to have a D4, 2D6, and a D8. You're going to have uh, a row of six or five ruins, sorry, five ruins laid out in front of you, uh, which is going to gradually through the game, people are going to take them out as they win them. Yeah. You're going to replace them from the deck, and that's your end of game condition as well as when the deck runs out. And each of those ruin cards has on it uh, a set of stones that have been randomly pulled out of the bag. Yep. That correspond uh, with the number on the bottom of the card. <laughs> That's it. Each, each ruin is a different colour as well. At the start of the game, we deal each player one ruin face down, which they secretly, that is their scoring ruin. Mm. That's the colour that they're trying to get the most of. Um, apart from that, we've got uh, a bunch of wonder cards on the table, special wonders, um, which people will be able to get if they get the right combination of, of stones. Yeah, And they only come up every now and then because there's more than... Uh, how many are in there? I can't remember how many there are, but there's oh, there's end of age. It's the end of age, isn't it? Yeah, Wonders end of age is the last card. There's I can't remember how many there are. Of what? Uh, how many of those 15, cards? Fifteen. Fifteen. But you're only playing with six of them, so you're not going to see all of them in a game. Yep. And uh, then there's the generic greater and lesser wonders as well. And you've also got the Delver deck, which uh, is we we called that the loser deck when we played. Um, because whenever you lose a competition <laughs> yeah. to win to get a ruin, you get a Delver card. Yeah, and so that's because you you're rolling your dice to put it, make a bid on these ruins, which have a value on them. And when that value was reached by the sum of the dice totals, um, then you have a way of working out who claims that ruin. If your dice is upon that ruin and you don't get to claim it, you get a Delver card slash loser card, as yeah. as Jamie was saying. But they're quite <laughs> they're, Delver cards are very handy. You can because you can they're play as many as you good. want. Uh, every time, because there's, there's two phases to the first play. Just plays there's a delver phase and there's a uh, excavation excavation phase. And yeah. so the delver phase, you can just go bang, 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 and start playing delver cards yeah. if you want. Yeah, as many they as you want. They let you manipulate dice and change uh, change tokens around and do all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. and it's Usually. not just on your stuff either. You can interact with uh, your opponents that way. Make them re-roll dice, that sort of stuff. You can just throw them at the, in the face. You say, I'm interacting with you in this way. Yeah, so you can you can you can do a bit of bit of take that bit of bit of spoilage, staple it to their head. Yeah, or you can uh, like change the weighting of the values of the dice which are already yeah. on a ruin, so you can uh, screw around with what people might be planning ahead to do. Um, yeah, because the the important thing to know is that all the dice on the ruin, the single die that has the highest value is going to win the ruin at the end when it when it's got enough on it to hit critical mass and be won by somebody. Yeah. So if someone's rolled a 6 on their d6, you know, that's a pretty strong pretty strong thing to to put down on a on a ruin. The only way you can beat it is with your d8, really. Yeah. Um and uh so at that point, you know, other players might want to abandon that ruin and try for other ones. They might compete to try and you know, throw the D8 out there or tie it with a D6. Or they might uh, try and just roll lots of low numbers on there to try and collect stones. Yeah, that's something we didn't point out as well. It's the uh, You roll a 1, 2, or 3, 
and you can claim a stone, right? Is that you grab a stone out of the bag? Yep, that's right. Yeah. So that's you, well, no, no, you grab it off the ruin. You grab it off the yeah, ruin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can aim for one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's that's the interesting part of it. So that's why we get back to that D four, the D six, and the D eight. Your D D eight is kind of like your power play. It's like you're trying to force yourself onto that ruin and, and make a strong presence so you can claim it. D6 is sort of like your mid-range uh, die, and those die, uh, dice, are, um, there's three of them in your set. Uh, so you've got the most of those. And then you've got yeah. your D4, which, yeah, I mean, you might claim a ruin once in a while by rolling a D4 and everyone, you know, lucks out. But, um, yeah, pretty much that's just to, to either finish a, a ruin off and get the, get the total or get a, a stone out of the situation, really. Yeah. Once you've uh, rolled your dice and you've allocated it to a ruin, it actually stays there, though. So yeah. in the case of the D8 and the D4 Delver, uh, once you've used it, it stays on that ruin card until it's released by somebody making it go or until you either play a Delver card that can allow you to retrieve that dice or uh, the actual card value has been reached and then it gets claimed by someone. Or but the D6, you run out of dice yourself. Oh, you run out of d- dice yourself. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but the D6, on the other hand, because there's three of them, um, it kind of means you're going to be spending most of your time in that mid-range sort of area, I think, hmm. for the most part. But um, but that's that's the lovely part of it is just, it's that... Um, that's the sort of press your luck, gambly sort of part of it, yeah. where you um, you might not want to use your D eight too early, or if you do use it and you get a low low score with yeah. it, then you're like, ugh, you know, that's my big big number. No, do I keep throwing dice this and try to overload it with that with dice that belong to me? Hope for a six on my D six or something like that. To claim the great it. thing is your D eight. If you do happen to roll your D eight and you roll a low number, it doesn't have to stay like that because if you delve for cards, um, yeah. a lot of them you can change the value that sort of thing, which is which is handy but they'll never you can't do it if it's a d6 it can't get any higher than a, no than six that's if it's it. a d8 yeah, eight's the limit yeah, yeah. That, that. so it's also worth noting that uh your dice are sort of on these ruins until you until the ruin bursts yeah. uh, and then you can get them all back um so there's there's definitely incentive once you've committed to going after a ruin if nobody else jumps on and helps you you want to roll more dice so that you can get your dice back that's it yeah the um, and I, I found that I found that fun, to be honest. Oh, I, yeah, I, that's, that's good. I enjoyed fun, that yeah. that whole uh, attempting to be the top dog on the card. I, I was trying to remember of another game that made me think of that that made me think of it, but I can't recall the name of the game. Uh, I've seen it with I've seen it with bidding, but I haven't seen it with with dice rolls before. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because and they've also very obviously thought about it because. If you roll badly, you've still got the consolation prize of getting the uh, the stones to build your wonders. Yeah, that's it. You can also um, uh, there's also the chance if you get of getting the Delver card. So if you actually claim the ruin yourself, you don't get the Delver card. So if you've used all your cards and you're winning the card the the ruin, the ruin yeah. then you're not getting those little cards in your hand, the loser cards as you call them, Jamie, to be able to. You know, manipulate stuff later on. Yeah, so and you, there's you, no you, limit you, to those. You if can, you go manipulate heavy and win a ruin, yeah. then you don't have the double cards later on, where oh. uh, other people will most likely get get them, yeah. and you'll be in a disadvantage for later plays. Yeah. Invariably, you'll end up with a tie, which uh, definitely yeah. did happen. So, if we're competing for the same card. Uh, my, I've got a D8 on there with a six. You've got a D6 with a six showing. 
who do you think wins in that circumstance there, David? Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. So I've rolled a D8 yeah. and it came up with a, a number six. You've rolled a D6 oh. and ended up with no, a I six. I know the answer to this one. So who it's do you think the wins? The larger dice wins. The larger dice. So the D8, even though it's only got a six, yeah. uh, will win in that answer. What happens, what happens if uh, you've got a D6 with a five and a D6 with a five? Well, in that case, we're going to have to go back to the next highest dice that we each have on that card, on that ruin. Okay. So if, however, I've got a D4 with a value of one and you've got no extra dice, you actually just get a zero. So I win that, cl- I claim that card. And there is, there is a page full of uh, tiebreaker resolution, you know, the, the, yeah. the fact is in there. So that all has all that sort of stuff. Ask me what happens if uh, there's no resolution after that. Uh, what if there's no resolution after that, Matt? Nobody claims the ruin. Oh, my goodness. What do we do? What do <laughs> we do? Everyone gets loser Every- cards. Yeah, everyone gets loser cards and you get your dice back. And what do we do with the ruin? It just stays there. It just stays there. We yep. no stones on it. No stones. So you just start again. You just, yep. That's it. Crikey. <laughs> so, um, so, pro tip. Yeah. How do we play you- like a pro? You get this. Uh, you get this card at the start of the game, telling you what color to chase. Don't don't work too hard chasing those colors. Yes, the most potential points that you can score do come from collecting those ruins, but there are only five in the deck, and at the start of the game, you remove some cards randomly. Yeah. So you could be ending. You could be chasing really hard for something that's never going to score you more than you know six or twelve points. Um, yeah, it, it, ramps, so, it does ramp up quickly. That's the attraction, isn't it? So for the one one card that you start with, you'll get two points. If you can get another one, you get six. If you can get three, you'll get 12. Four, you get 20. And for all five, you're going to get 30. Is the scoring for those. That's right. But yeah. don't, you know, if they come up, great. Give it a go. But don't obsess about it is the most important thing. So you, you'd say it's, it's best going for the set collection of getting uh, five different ones, and that gets you five points? I think that's easier in yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. Well, it's obviously the chances are much greater of you seeing them all, isn't it? And, and the, the other scoring point is for the, uh, the wonders. So if you get yeah. three plus wonders, they're going to give you five points. And you get, and each of the wonders comes with a like a level up thing, doesn't it? Like um, you, you, sometimes it comes with victory points yeah, on it. Yeah, multiplier. Sometimes it gives you um, uh, in in game effects. So like this tomb of the last stage I just picked up at the end of the game, score one point for each color of ruin you have. So these little hidden um, hidden multipliers, and then that's the interesting thing about that first card that you get as well. Nobody knows what that is. You keep that hidden so people can. Know what ruins you've claimed and see what wonders you've got. Yeah. Make a bit of a head calculation about where you're at, but they don't know what that other card is that you've got hidden still. So that can change things quite considerably. Mm. I, I I really like the uh, I really like the geometry of the game. Uh, using getting building or is it the geology of the game? <laughs> getting your, your stones. I guess it's interchangeable, isn't it? Really, uh, getting the stones and starting on your little hex because you, you're not locked into creating a little one lot of uh honeycomb hexes you can start immediately on building others off that mm. and then when you claim your wonders you just pop them into the one that uh whether the ring that ma- actually that's the important thing is your hexagonal ring needs to be made up of the stone composition that matches the the wonder uh, the wonder so yeah jenny anyway. did you find did you end up with an opinion on whether you should um build for one 
wonder as soon as you can complete that, cash it in, get it, and then move on to the next one? Or did you go like, you know, you, you do a little bit of everything, keep a foot in several different camps at the same time, just in case? I tended to go after the one that I wanted the most uh, and then play it by year after that. So, for example, there's, uh, there's a series of them. Uh, one, the one that I'm holding is College of the Overseers. Yeah. Uh, which, um, oh, sorry, sorry, that's not the right one. Uh, it is, uh, tomb, no, sorry, <laughs> here we go. Temple of Prosperity. At the end of the game, score one point for every yellow stone you have. Right. So, one game that I played, I got that first, and after that, it, it just made sense to go after all the yellow stones. And there was another one that required me to have three stones of one colour and three stones of another colour. So I got all those yellow stones, used uh, used three of them straight away to contribute that, then built the other stuff that I accidentally picked up along the road around there and, uh, and you know, picked up that second one. But uh, I think it very much determines what you're going to do, uh, what you get first. Yeah. I like the I quite like the Delver cards um, because they've got a lot of flavour in them. Each of them... While everyone's got access to the same pool of cards, they do give you little extra effects. Lost in the Ruins lets you re-roll any one die uh, already on that ruin. So if you've rolled poorly and had to allocate your D8, it's a second chance to roll it and give it a, a better number. I mean, certainly if you rolled a one, you're not going to make it any worse. Um, but it's good to use that sort of thing on your um, like on your D8. You wouldn't waste that on a D4. You wouldn't want to re-roll no, your D4. No. But one of the... One of the cool things about that card as well is you can use it on your opponent. So if he's winning a, a ruin that you want, you can go, hey, dude, re-roll that D8. Yeah. Oh, look, you got a three. That's yeah. yeah. Um, you can actually, where it would work on using your, the D4 yeah. is if there are stones left on that ruin card and any time you re-roll yeah. that card, if you roll a one, two, or three, you're going to claim another stone. So That's if you've right. already claimed a stone on, on a one then you re-roll it and you get a two, you get to claim another stone and you've improved the number of standing by one. So that's yeah. quite useful. You could mine out a ruin just for the stones that are on it. And, uh, like, you yeah, know, if exactly. you're Mr. Then, Yellow, look, like Jamie does, was. If everyone does run out of stones, you also have the option of drawing from the bag. Yeah, blind draw. Yeah. Yep. Which is not really a bad thing I found in this game because uh, you can pop it onto your little construction anywhere you like. So... There's no no stipulation that you have to complete a hex before you move on to the next start, next one. Uh, that's right. Forgotten song I like. That's the one that allows you to choose a number and re-roll all dice showing that number. So if you see that so, uh, <laughs> that group of sixes that that none of them are yours, you can get everybody to re-roll them. So that's uh, that's quite useful, I think. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Use yeah. the Delver cards as my pro tip. Is um, Actually, don't ha- hold them over in your hand. Uh, use them and don't forget you can use them on your opponents. That's so it. it's it's early days for this game. So that's, you know, no awards and, and there's no uh, expansions or anything yeah. like that yet. But um, Jamie, what, what was the buzz? I know at Gen Con this year, uh, a lot of people were out to get this game and it sold out very fast. What was the general buzz as to what people were attracted to. Did you, did you get a, a feel for that? There was a, a lot of the... Uh, their, their booth was full the entire time. Like, every time I was in the hall and walked past... This was a Brotherwise? This was Brotherwise Games, just yeah. packed wall-to-wall with people trying, on, uh, trying out on Earth. 
Um, I think the look of the game is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, that's 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 got to be pulling people in. Um, I think the fact that it's a dice game that isn't a luck game, you know, yeah. it has a luck element, but it's controllable and it's uh, you can affect the game in other ways rather than just rolling the dice. Yeah. That's... Um, I think that's that's definitely a draw card as well, and um, I think the the actual tableau building element as well. Um, just it gives it you're doing something you know you're actually constructing something in the game which um a lot of people likened it to minecraft because it's got that blocky art style yeah but it actually is in the sense of you know you're building um which is which is kind of nice hmm. it looks kind of, in a sense it looks like suburbia in that that sense uh, yeah. which is what a kind of suburbia game. You look? Oh, the game, right <laughs> the game yeah. suburbia, yeah. yeah, where you're building your own little city, and you—it's the same sort of thing. You you build off it, um, and you surround each of your civic buildings and stuff like that with just general place, which general tiles. So, I mean, in a sense, that that's what this looks like. Uh, but I think it's it's a lot more accessible, certainly, than that is. Um, the scoring's definitely not harder. It's it's you can pretty much look at it at face value and know where you are and where your opponents are at any stage of the game, uh, which is good. So you do, there's no sort of, other than that hidden ruin mm. at the beginning of the game. Well, this this sort of brings us into who would you play it with? Who, yeah. who's, who's this good for? What, what, would you, what would your recommendations be, guys? I think it's a solid little entry-level game. Um, it, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to figure out too much to get the strategy. But there is strategy there if you want to do if you want to do it, yeah. And I think that it goes from there, sort of off into the beer and pretzels direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can I can see, you know, the the university students grabbing a copy of this, sitting around, you know, every week having a beer and, and playing some Unearth. I can see the um like the, even the even the gamers playing this because of the the fun aspect of trying to fight over those cards with dice rolling but you've got to be strategic about how you go about it so i think they'll enjoy the strategic part of it uh, and you'll feel like you're engaged in the game because you can think your way through it but then equally that little bit of a luck component because you are rolling dice allows you to um uh, acknowledge that it's a bit of it's it's fun and you can displace a loss or an amazing victory either way because there's that element of fun in there so you can you can love it for the strategic bits and you can discount it a little bit for the the luck elements and i think everyone ends up being like a winner there because they'll enjoy playing the game so i i agree with you guys totally it's um it's a nice accessible game uh i could see this as definitely being i think would be a nominee for spiel next year um i could see it does it have a german translation well that's one of the yeah, look, I can I can certainly seeing it see it sitting in that category. You know, it's it, it yeah, it's not a it's not a complex game to learn how to play. No, and yeah, look, I, I think my overall gut feeling is that it is it is a really good game. It lives up to quite a lot of its hype, and um, and I think it's probably got a future for itself. Yeah, it definitely fell into that thing where once I'd played it. I wanted to play it again. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't play it through once and I've had enough. I'll see you next week, Matt. Yeah, we just... It had... was, it was, yeah, let's play it again straight away. Mm. So that's a good sign. 
Um, and I think I think the the dice element in it keeps the replayability going a little bit. I think that'll be the that'll be the fun thing, just because the way it different rolls out and the and the way the the stones come out of the bag in in a different way can help yeah. change your game. So that's where the replayability will be in. And you've got the different order that the wonders come out, and the, yeah, there's lots of different things that can change your game up. Really, I uh, I wish we had have had a chance to spend a little bit more time with this game. Yeah, uh, which would have been great. Sure. So, but I, I could see this thing coming off the shelf for me easily without too much fuss at mm. all. Uh, so, you know, in fact, once we finish the podcast tonight, I, I think we might crack out a game. Oh, uh, sure. What do you think, there, David? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think no. I don't want to end on a negative because the game doesn't deserve it. But um, I suppose one of the you know the counter arguments to it was I didn't feel heavily engaged in the the narrative of it. Mm. Oh, I didn't feel like I was no. digging into the earth and pulling out ruins at no, all. You're right. Only because they told no, me like that it, that was it's what not was a story doing. game. It is it is a mechanical game. But, but yeah, but to counter but that, it's a good one. You know, I'm always a sucker for for a good looking game. This is a good looking game. Yeah. Right. So I'm happy looking at the components and going, "Ooh, look at that! That's nice." I made the the uh, mistake when we opened it, thinking that it looked. It reminded me of Catacombs, not the first edition of Catacombs, but the second edition of Catacombs that was released. Uh, it had that sort of similar artwork style. But uh, I, I mistakenly thought that the, the artist was the same person, but it wasn't. Uh, so that that definitely attracted me in from the beginning. Yes, it has that Minecraft sort of appearance, but it also uh, has that. I guess you can see the the ruins, the, you know, the ancient civilizations that have been built and then crumbled, that sort of thing. So I think it, it very much is a box and a game, a set of game cards that does tell a story, uh, which is nice. But yeah, I agree. There's a disconnectedness with the with the theme as you play. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add on Unearth, guys? Uh, only I, that it's it's pretty cool, and people should try and win it, or go and buy it at discount. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it's, it's, defi- it's definitely <laughs> worth Gee, having. If if there's a way, if there's any way that you know of that they could do that, that they could win it, get it uh, as a discounted game, or uh, win it outright. Do you think? Um, can you can you dig it a ten percent discount on this game? All right, <laughs> it's sounding terrible. I'll, I'll think about it and see if we can uh, figure out a way by the end of the podcast. Hey. Eh? All right. Okay. Apologies. Uh, right after this, it's going to be Matt's quiz. We're still we're still doing it. <laughs> Make no apologies. Yeah. It's time for Matt's quiz. That's quiz. Are you ready? Boom. Yeah, I was just I was just wondering, is there a possibility that we could just skip me grumbling, give Jamie <laughs> the win, and save the listener from all of this that's about to happen? <laughs> is there what's what what are the chances? The chances yeah. are extremely unlikely. Okay. Look, you heard me listen, <laughs> I tried. We who are about to quiz salute you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on! Do you know how hard it is to put some of these quizzes together, especially with the themes? I try yes. to, I try to match them with the theme, and and this one, unearthed. Oh, unearthed is the theme. Uh, <laughs> so, while I can be directly held responsible for the way it turns out, yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to accept all the responsibility. Question one, Jamie, are you ready? Okay. Born that way. All right, here we go. The Unearthed Arcana Quiz. Are you ready? He's already using words, Arcana. (laughs) Right. 
Question one. Yeah. Buried in a Cotswolds field, what was found amongst Roman coins and masonry that got archaeologists so excited? Is that a guy from... Um... I didn't know the Cotswolds was a real thing. Until... Oh, yeah, the Cotswolds is yeah. a real thing. I've got a mate who lives there. Oh, there we go. So yeah. you're going to be you're going to ace this. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buried oh, yeah. in a Cotswolds field, what was found amongst Roman coins and masonry that got archaeologists so excited? Question two. Yep. Which cinema? Oh, Jesus, I knew I was going to stuff up this one. Which synonym for unearth? is often used in conjunction with removing a body from a gravesite. <laughs> right. Which synonym for unearth is often used in conjunction with removing a body from a gravesite? I like your original question, which was which cinema? Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was heading for which cinnamon. Cinnamon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Uh, you up there, Jamie? Which, I'm good. Excellent. Which dead body, when licked, tastes like cinnamon? Gotcha, Matt. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. There's so many to choose from. What a good answer you're going to have. littered with them. Yeah. <laughs> Question three. <clears throat> Unearthed what is the title of the source book that expands D&D rules beyond the player's handbook <laughs> okay. and the Dungeon Master's Guide? All right. Now, there was four. definitely complaint after the last quiz that yeah. it was too inaccessible or too hard. So I've... Dumbed it down for Yeah, you. well, thank goodness for that. I think the listener has to be able to sit there at home going, I'm in with a cracker doing that. Oh, do you know Not I, what is Matt thinking of. <laughs> I want to be able to send them uh, tr- Google some traffic, uh, Wikipedia Nobody's traffic Googling anything from this. We're just happy <laughs> if they're still with us when we're finished. <laughs> Question three. Yeah. Unearthed what is the title of the source book that expands D&D rules beyond the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide? Is that why you didn't pass it to me at the beginning? Is that why I didn't pass it? Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't look for it. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, question four. Mm. Unearth is the name of Triple J's project to find and dig up hidden musical talent throughout Australia. Which alternative rock band was discovered in its inaugural year of 1995? Oh, shit. Sure. So which band was unearthed by Triple J in 1995? Their first ever one. And I tell you, it is a very prominent band. Right. All right. So that's your tip. Like they all have big noses? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Jamie. That's, that's right. I'm just going to give the point to Jamie. Okay. Question five. <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> Question five. Unearthed Secrets is a blue-green Magic the Gathering intro deck released for which set? <laughs> Wrong podcast, Matt. Rob Potter. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm sitting between two people who have magic knowledge. As but opposed for, to mine, yeah. I have none. What is it? A, a commander set? Or uh, intro deck? Well, it's an intro deck. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Unearthed, Unearthed Secrets, Secrets oh, okay. is a blue-green Magic the Gathering intro deck released for which set? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one's moving along at a cracking pace, actually. It is. I, should, I should slow it down. No, no, no. Keep Question going. six. Yeah. In 2015... The excavation of over 700 watts in Mexico caused a stir amongst archaeologists studying Aztec mysteries. 700 of them. In 2015, yep, yeah. excavation of 700-somethings in Mexico caused, caused a store, stir ugh, against... <laughs> I don't want to surprise uh, you, man, but I'm not up to date moly. on people digging holes in Mexico and what they find. 
Oh, this is quite a big thing. Yeah. This is quite a big thing. I knew about this. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And if I knew about it, it must be a big thing. Yeah. So, yeah, 2015 excavation of 700, over 700 watts in Mexico caused a stir amongst archaeologists. Right. And the last question, question seven. Yep. In 1999, horror movie Lair of the White Worm stars which Doctor Who doctor in the role of a young archaeologist called Angus Flint. Oh, young. Okay. okay. Which Doctor Who is in the role of young arche- of a young archaeologist called Angus Flint? All right, name them all. That's it. I'll the movie is fucking horrible. What, like scary, gross, <laughs> horrible? Uh, or it's just terrible? Terrible. Oh, okay. Both. Okay. Terrible both. Yeah. Good. Cracking along. All right, Answers. there we go. Boom. Answers. Question one. Buried in a Cotswold field, what was found amongst Roman coins and masonry that got archaeologists so excited, Jamie? Uh, the Spear of Destiny. Oh, awesome answer, David. I said Baldrick. <laughs> he's always digging holes yeah, in England. Yeah, he's, he's always digging holes and, in England. Uh, it's only a matter of time before caving, digging back up, and someone goes, bloody hell, it's Baldrick. He's buried in the Cotswolds. Well, in between those two things yeah. was mosaic flooring. Right. <laughs> Come on, we're talking about archaeologists getting excited here. Well, that's where my mind goes straight away, of course. It is pretty amazing, isn't it, to dig down and find a mosaic flooring already there. Yeah. It yeah. is pretty cool. Nice. Uh, question two. It's, it's like you could dig down on the bill. It's like a, a, a fully equipped bar down there, you know, and you open up a small bar fridge Wouldn't and it's awesome? like whiskey from like 1740s or something. Wouldn't that be amazing? In an electrical fridge, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along before someone spots Question the holes two. in that one. <laughs> Which synonym for unearth is often used in conjunction with removing a body from a graveside, David? Exhume. Jamie? I said exhume. Yes, point each. Mm. Good job. Makes up for the lack of understanding on the first one. It's also it's also an album by uh, American metalcore band from Boston <laughs> called Unearth. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, question three. Unearth what is the title of the source book from D&D, Jamie? Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. Unearthed Arcana, yep. It's Uh, Leviosa. (laughs) It was actually released in 1985 for the first edition, but Mm. it was very negatively received because it had a lot of errors in it. Had a lot of F words in it. No, errors, sorry. (laughs) And the drawings were really terrible. Oh, weren't they? My Uh, God. Question four. Unearthed is the name of Triple J's project for find and dig up hidden. So you see what I did there, right? Unearthed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, yeah. That was good, actually. I'll, kudos to Matt's quiz. Thank you. That is a not shit point uh, <laughs> I've awarded. So which, which band was unearthed in 1995, the inaugural year of Triple J's project unearthed? Ja, I've forgotten whose turn it is. David, I think it's yours. Uh, I'll go with Silverchair. Okay, Jamie? I also guessed Silverchair. Okay. You're both wrong because it was, in fact, Grinspoon. Oh, those guys. Those guys. Oh, That's well. not a prominent band. What? No. How can you not call Grinspoon prominent? No, no. It, it, I got it right before. They have big noses. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky they're the chances of them actually listening to this, Jamie, are very, 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 very slim. If you're a Grinspoon, write to us on <laughs> podcast at com. <laughs> Love to talk to you. Question five. And we'll discuss whether you're prominent or not. I don't know. Because they would know. They would have insight. They go, are we prominent or not? <laughs> we'll measure your noses. Question five. Unearthed Secrets is a blue-green magic gathering intro deck from which set, Jamie? Shadows over in Estrad. What do you think I there, David? Shadows as well. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. This is the highest scoring Matt's quiz, I think, ever. <laughs> uh, I think... 
by my memory, you're actually even. Uh, I've got four ticks. Well, then I think, Jamie, you've got the same amount of ticks, haven't you? Question six. I have got the same amount of ticks. Oh, no, I gave myself myself four ticks, but I gave myself a tick for Baldrick (laughs) because that's the same as Mosaic Flora to me. Question six. In 2015, the excavation of 700 watts caused a stir amongst archaeologists in Mexico. Uh, David. Is that me again? Oh, yeah. Why not? Okay, well, I've, tr- I've, I've checkmated you here, Matt. I've said artifacts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be mosaic flooring, isn't it? <laughs> tiles. <laughs> so over 700 mosaic flooring tiles. Jamie, yeah. what's the answer? Um, vampire conquistadors. Okay. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. yes. I, re- <laughs> I changed my answer immediately. <laughs> okay. Well, you might want to change it to the actual answer, which is uh, skulls arranged into a tower. So over 700 skulls arranged into a tower were found in Mexico in 2015. Right. That's some bloody history stuff right there. Are they clusters artifacts? I doubt it. Judge call. Okay. Question seven. Yep. 1999 horror movie Lair of the White Worm stars which Doctor Who doctor in the role of a young archaeologist by the name of Angus Flint? Young. All right. What do you think there, Jamie? Peter Capaldi. What do you think there, David? With David Tennant. Well, the answer It'd is... It would be good if it was David Tennant, though. Yeah, but the answer is Peter Capaldi. Uh, uh, I thought the answer might give it away. The, the question might yeah. give it away. Angus Flint, a very Scottish-sounding name. Oh, right. Yeah. But David, David Tennant. Movie. David Tennant's Scottish, isn't he? Yes, he uh, is. Yes, he is, but yeah. Peter Capaldi's there just that little bit more. All right, I see. <laughs> if you're David Tennant, write to us at podcast at sevenlandhand.com. We'll discuss how are you more Scottish than Peter Capaldi. Sorry, Interestingly, I think that. that defines the, the Matt's quiz logic, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, that movie also starred Hugh Grant, who is not Scottish. Okay, that's his interesting fact. That's Matt's right, quiz. We've got through it. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Seven Land Hand is a really nice pub. There's bobbing games of three. When the homework's done, it's time for fun again. It's Jamie's top ten. Well, right. You you really got your knees up to that one there, there, Matt. That's a a new theme tune. Uh, It's been sent to us by Daniel from, um, oh, what's the name of his studio? Oh, man, name drop. Oh, we'll have to get back to you with that. Daniel, everyone knows Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm clawing my hand in, in also of Matt's quiz theme tune fame. Now I've got a little thing there here though, uh, Jamie. We haven't even done this segment yet. No. You've got a theme tune. I had to go through two years before I got a theme tune for right? Matt's quiz. So, so for anyone for anyone who has been listening regularly during <laughs> our uh, Mr. Jack episode, um, there was beer. And oh, so much beer, and, and it got suggested that somewhere along the line that you there used to be an Aaron's top ten that had fallen by the wayside, and that Daniel could do a, a theme song for us, and he did, and now we have Jamie's top ten. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and it was because Aaron segment. had never done them. He was always given homework way, way back in early episodes. Uh, to do a top 10 and he never did it and we ended up having to do the top 10s in the room at that time and then I did most of the work and then we called it Aaron's top 10 so not you know obviously it got cancelled yeah yeah that's right all right so it's a new segment um tell us what you think on the social media but uh here we go I'm going to give you a top 10 yeah. of something that relates to the theme of the game that we are re- even having a look at each yeah. month 
And okay. uh, these guys are going to tell me whether I am right or wrong about this this top ten and the whether things belong in it. All right, and just remember, so, if it is a crap segment, it's all Daniel's fault. I think that's the, the thing that we've got to remember. He's peaked too high with the theme song. Yeah, because now we'll have to yeah, keep the, it. He's like Icarus. He is. I think I think Daniel, Daniel that theme song, it, it, it's going to make the, the whole segment work. So, Unearth takes us to a world where civilization has fallen and the survivors are trying to reclaim their former glory. This, therefore, is Jamie's top ten post-apocalypses. Oh, uh, I'm and, in. Uh, Me too. And I want to see how you guys think they compare against the one depicted in on Earth. So, number 10 on the top 10 is Arctic Scavengers. This is a deck-building board game set at the turn of the 21st century. Oh. Arctic Scavengers pits your band of survivors against others in an Arctic wasteland after a cataclysmic climate change. I love this apart one. Being, apart I- from being a really great game, the idea of a climactic apocalypse, uh, of a climatic apocalypse is just a bit too real for me at the moment. Good, well, yeah, too real, but uh, it's got a great set of mechanics. It's got um, uh, interactions with your uh, with your opponents, scavenging. It's got that real sense of scavenging for stuff in piles of crap. Um, combat system that uses all makes all of your cards useful, not redundant. <laughs> uh, it's got an expansion to it, which it, which it, you know, is, it really does a duty. And it was a little bit of a diamond in the rough, really. It was. Uh, it almost never got made at one point because there was an argument between the designer and the develop and the publisher. But uh, thankfully, it did, and I found it. Uh, I found the like literally. I think the only copy in existence in Western Australia. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Great thing. That, that firmly belongs. Sounds in that great. Top ten. Like it in the top ten. Uh, I've never played it. Uh, it reminds me of your uh, Nazi zombie snow soldiers <laughs> yeah. uh, thing. So I'm in. All right. Number nine is Fallout. This is the video game that lets us wander the wastelands. Uh, Fallout is a free world digital RPG in which the player is a survivor from a vault community trying to cobble together an existence in a fractured world. I never played the originals. I only started playing at Fallout 3. Oh, we're talking the whole series here. Uh, Yeah, yeah, in general. Um, (laughs) Again, I really enjoy it. Fallout 4, I think it's gotten a lot of stick. yeah. Um, New Vegas is my favourite. Okay, yeah. I remember uh, you playing that years and years and years ago. It must have been if you. I remember you when you first started playing it and just hearing you talk about it. There was yeah. something on a bus, and you were all talking about how scary it was and all that sort of stuff, and that was cool. Um, but I, I played Fallout Four. I enjoyed the building. There's lots of things I enjoyed about it, but I didn't like it, and I can't remember why now. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to the release of Fallout Wasteland Warfare, the new miniature skirmish game that's coming out. Yeah, now that yeah. could be pretty cool. Like, I, I love a post-apocalyptic thing anyway, you know? I, I personally remember back in the day wandering the deserts looking for the TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> in the original Fallout, that was cool. It had lots of good Easter eggs. Every time a plane goes over, you know, I just start looking, I just start counting my bottle caps and uh, thinking maybe this <laughs> yeah. is it. Maybe it's not a plane. Maybe North Korea. Who knows? Where's my bottle caps? Would that make you save your bottle caps, do you think, if that was going to be the currency? No, probably not. I couldn't no. be that organized. No. Fair enough. What's next? All right. Number eight is After the Bomb. This is a setting for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness role-playing game. After the bomb shows us a world where nuclear weapons devastated the world but had a mutagenic effect on the survivors, turning them into human-animal hybrids. Forming gangs to control the few resources left, these mutants seem like a version of another franchise that is likely to appear on this list. Ah, I bet you I know what it is. It sounds like Gygax's earlier uh, 
uh, efforts at inventing creatures, you know, like the werebear and the and the bear wolf and any of that, you <laughs> know, you just blend two things together. The owlbear, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm out on this because uh, I thought that Gargax was off there and this is, uh, I don't know, that's a lame excuse. I'm in, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, but purely yeah. because I think the thing you're referring to that's coming up is Gamma World. Ah, Gamma World is pretty cool. But uh, actually, I'm referring to number seven, which is Mad Max. Apparently visual, the Mad Max franchise presents a world where water and fuel are the most precious resources available, then puts one good man into the centre of it. The plots aren't much, but the bungee flaming guitar mutants are worth the price of admission. (laughs) See, I always wonder whether this would actually, you know, would society get to that level where everything is just completely and utterly falling apart and we're all just... I mean... Wouldn't we all end up just dead, I, I think, because we'd all die of malnutrition or something like that, I, I think. I don't, I don't think it's really a would scenario that's going to happen. fighting over every single drop of petrol, or then drive around in V8 chargers, <laughs> or would we all have Priuses? That's how Mad Max would really be. Be well, that's, it. that's where the, and... the solar car, solar power car yeah. would rule supreme. Yeah, a little yeah. electric wee <laughs> going around like, long after Mad Max has stopped getting anywhere in his stupid big car. Yeah, that's it. It was just, yeah, it was, you know, I can see the artistry in it and the kind of the vibe of it, but it's not my kind of vibe at all. I don't like strapping people to the front of cars and while they're alive and driving around it just oh it feels so horrible and there's that um, this this will really bring the mood i never got into mad max and what killed it for me is after a rape scene in that the guy gets off them and the shoots her with a crossbow oh in in uh, was, road warrior oh that's so i don't like that at all i'm out i was out 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 but i honestly let's it forget makes me very happy you don't like those things no <laughs> you know what um Let's forget all of that, and I'm going to go the highbrow approach and say the first sec, the second I saw Mad Max, I thought, hmm, that Mel Gibson guy, he seems a bit bonkers. I don't like him. I don't like the series. That's the approach I took. Forget about everything else. Uh, I, I liked Mad. I liked Mad <laughs> Max. The world was, yeah, I think the world was a little bit too far removed, but uh, yeah, the, the, I, I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit undecided about Fury Road and whether that's yeah. just a little bit too radical. And it's uh, not the bleakness of it. I like, like, there's, uh, maybe this is coming up later in Jamie's top 10. The Road, right? Yeah. The far out. That's oh, a yeah, yeah. Whoa, Vigo, that's, so, that's so heavy yeah, and bleak and dark. Yeah. And I love it because it's just, yeah, that's what would become. You know, look, those, those guys going around preying on everything just for their own benefit. Yeah. And it <clears throat> seemed a lot more believable and. And um, For sure. Yeah. Ugh, that was the, the, the. <laughs> uh, Just before you go any further, before you go any oh, further, go on, Jamie, go um, there's I've just on Netflix a movie's just popped up called Bat, The Bad Batch, which is utterly crap. It's got Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah. It's got Keanu Reeves in it. It's got um, some other dude who I can't remember his name. But there's cannibals. There's Bodybuilding weirdos. And yeah, like a girl missing li- limbs, limbs and like have that sort of thing. Uh, prosthetics. It looks great. <laughs> Not good. Uh, well, I think it's utterly horrible, but yeah. um, I'm still watching it anyway. So anyway, <laughs> move on, Jamie. Number six is Attack on Titan, an anime series in which humanity ah. hides in giant walled cities from titans, giant skinless humanoid monsters that eat people. The action of the series shows us that there may be more to the titans than meets the eye, the picture of humanity living in fear is quite stark. The creature, well, I guess it's the 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 uh, 
turning on yourself apocalypse, really, because the the, the Titans are, um, I guess, they're kind of a spoilers, spoilers. Uh, well, no, no. What I mean, what I mean is, turning as in they represent the nature of the nature of humanity to you know sort of consuming itself. Um, yeah, I, I really I really dig it, and I've seen the live action versions of it as well, and they're they're pretty good. They're in that typical uh, over the top uh, style, which is great. Um, for Japanese animation and uh, Japanese live animation, live, live animation. Yeah, I guess it's kind of live animation. That's <laughs> uh, where you watch the animator drawing the panels, right? But the, the creatures are the, the, the creatures. The people are just so preposterous in the way that they have to just explain everything. Ah. You know, in through their dialogue and their uh, exposition, and it's just that. It's a bit heavy hand. <laughs> because they just leave nothing to, to be guessed, uh, is what Anime, I'm saying. Anime, I wanted to get in. I saw Akira when it came out, and I loved it. I thought, this is great. I got I started collecting Battle Angel Alita yeah. comic books, thinking, oh, this is cool. And then just about everything from then uh, missed. I, I was, I'm into big mech robot sort of thing. Love all that kind of stuff. I think I got out when all the characters were the same from movie to movie to movie. And, mm. you know, as much as Kai tries, God, he tries. Uh, I just haven't <laughs> engaged with any, uh, any other uh, anime. <laughs> No, it's good. I, I like it. Um, also, watch Death Note. I'm sure. Oh, I what the Netflix one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good. A teenage movie. It, it was, but I, yeah. I all right. Willem Dafoe, he's awesome. He was good. Number five is the film Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, in which Bruce Willis is sent back in time to prevent the rise of the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, a terrorist organization that unleashed a virus on the world which ravaged its population. You get a twofer on this film because it's also an amazing exploration of time travel. I'm back in, baby. I'm back in. That's all I have to say. I, I haven't. This. I haven't left because this. I really like this one too, and the, mm. t- the series on Netflix at the moment is pretty good as well. Really? Yeah. I don't want to tarnish the original by watching the. You know, okay. It, all it does it ex- it sort of expands it out. It, what, like, like Star Wars episodes one to three, and from no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it teases out the whole uh, Twelve Monkeys story from the original movie. Mm-hmm. It just makes it a lot longer, but I, I'm kind of enjoying it. Spoilers: They found they found a thirteenth <laughs> monkey. Yeah, I've been I've been hesitant to watch the series because the movie is just so good. Yeah. Um, what always found I find interesting about this one is the uh, very much. Is that the Last of Us? Um, uh, what's that other one? Uh, Last of Us. Oh, the one with the virus. Can't remember. <laughs> Watching oh, Matt think. <laughs> well, you know, we should just really rejoice in the fact that the it's Army of the Twelve Monkeys, the Twelve Monkeys original movie, is great. Uh, this is one of the movies where uh, I think it was. It could have been. As I was realizing that Brad Pitt could actually act, because you know, like, him and Johnny Depp were both like, ah, they're just pretty boys. Everything they're in is going to be crap. And then they kept doing things, and you thought, these, that, yeah, they, these guys are actually. I, I think they're all right. These guys are talented. <laughs> I know, right? And, Brad, really and Brad Pitt nails it. He's got he's got some acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. Like he does the bonkers eyes and the weird yeah. stares. Ah, oh, it's so funny. I'm in. He's great. <laughs> uh, uh, you so- can almost see this movie being continuous with fight club in some ways it's <laughs> um, yeah. well that's it he's just tyler durden yeah well, he's not 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's not. No, the character is. Well, oh, let's. Well, he's bonkers, but yeah, yeah he's yeah. Okay. All right, all right. He's Edward Norton. All right. Yeah, he's all right. Edward Norton. Yeah. Number four. Spoilers. God, you're spoilers. He's the Terminator. Oh. Uh, the guns, the glasses, the motorcycle. Schwarzenegger's Terminator to find the tough guy for a generation. But for me, it was the visuals of humanity's struggle in the future against an endless army of machines that brought it so high on the list. Skynet's self-awareness is an unsettlingly real thing in the Google age also, giving the story life well beyond the first two films that it was good for. Yeah. I just watched all of them just recently. Oh, I'm up to the one where um, Daenerys makes an appearance. Oh, I haven't watched that one yet. Uh, no, Daenerys Targaryen from... Uh, I don't know what her real... Okay, is that the, the Sarah that. Connor Chronicles? No, no. There's, no, it's, I think it's... No, it's not yeah, Genesis. Genesis. Salvation. Genesis. 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 Yeah, Genesis. Yeah, That's yeah. one I haven't yeah. seen. Anyway, watch the other ones. Yeah, I love the premise of the first one, two uh, thing. I think I even enjoyed the third one or the fourth one or something where they got bad. I was still watching it. I was going, yeah, this is fantastic. I Honestly, like yeah, it. Even, when it, even when it's bad, it's good with Terminator. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They, and, and, the, and that first one, it's just... It's just it's just great storytelling. It's the yeah. setup, and it's uh, it's it's not as good as Psycho. Psycho always put down, you know, uh, Hitchcock's uh, Psycho is just a perfectly. Here's every single jigsaw piece you need to get from uh, in town to crazy world, you know, out out with um, Bates <laughs> Motel. I, yeah. I could have, I would have been absolutely happy if Terma- Ter- Terminator was just that first film. Terminator. Our, the, uh, Matt's, Matt's the going Terminator. full, full Aussie the today. Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> yeah, if they had have just kept it that first one, uh, I would have been completely happy. But did you uh, see, but really did you see Terminator 2 at the movies at the time? Yes, Boy, I did. Boy, that was like... Yeah. It, doesn't, it isn't like a, a million-dollar movie now. Like When you see no. it, you go, oh, I can see what they did there. It's not as woo as it was. But at the time, it was just like far Ma- out. Metallica is, soundtrack. That was this, the thing that made no, it. Was Guns Metallica and Roses. soundtrack and, Guns and that Roses. dude walking through the bars. Terminator 2 know, is like- Guns N' Roses. You could be mine. He no, even no, walks no, down no, the no, hallway. No, 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 no. Remember the the dream sequence for Metallica's um, yeah. uh, Into Sandman? Yeah. Where the truck and that was... Nothing to do with Terminator. No, but that... Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, right. <laughs> even Arnie, but, but Arnie even but that walks was, down the hallway oh, yeah, yeah. with a box with full of roses and he sees the other Terminator, you know, the Terminator 2000 or whatever coming, and he flicks out a gun out of a box of roses. It's guns and roses. But wasn't... Wasn't that... Scene where he was being chased by the truck on the motorbike wasn't that Metallica? I thought that no. was. There, there was a there was a music video for Enter Sandman where it had a kid in a bed. Yeah, and but he that's where I thought they referenced it from. I thought that. Oh, okay, all right, completely wrong. I need to go back and watch that movie. Maybe yeah. we can we can research later. Yeah. Okay. For now, number three is I Am Legend. While Will Smith's film was a fun watch, Richard Matheson's novel depicting a world in which all of humanity bar one man has been turned into vampires who form a new civilization that they don't really want to be cured from. Grim and tragic, the novel shows us the end of humanity and the failure to retake control of our world. The novel was so beautiful. I loved it. I agree. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I even enjoyed Will Smith's thing, even though it was completely different. It's but it's been made into a movie like a, a, about three or four times. It was like a Charlton Heston, the Millennial Man, or something like that. I yeah, think. it's the inspiration and, for um, um, Dawn of the Dead as well. Black and white. It's, there's a black and white version with Vincent of Price. I'm Legend. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if it's Vincent Price, but um, yeah, uh, no, no, definitely about, Vincent Price. Forget about all of them if you want. Just go and read the book. It's yeah. such a great story. They. Um, what a short book too. It's it's yeah. not a hard read. It's really good. There was actually as when the I Am Legend movie was being released, there was a number of 
uh, animated shorts that were released in the same way that the they did for the Matrix, yeah. Enter the Matrix, it was called, uh, but but just for I Am Legend, and it was kind of like little promo animations, and they were really good stories that I'd like to have seen those things expanded on. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it was that scary that my shorts were quite animated at the time, <laughs> was, but that was your <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Number, two. <laughs> Number two. Ooh. Number two is Hulk, The End. Oh, Marvel did a series of books called The End, in which we see the last story of all their characters. The absolute bleakest comic ever, written, takes the form of a video log kept by Bruce Banner after nuclear war has ended all life on, hu- on Earth. He wages a psychological war with his alter ego who will not let him die despite his wishes. The camera shows how Hulk is attacked and eaten each alive, uh, sorry, each, eaten alive each night by giant mutant cockroaches, and how he heals from the attack each time. Yeah. Using this icon of popular culture to explore these deep psychological issues is poignant and horrific at once. My God, I is didn't even know about just, this. I was no, out. when I. you said the title, I was like, no, oh, I don't know. But this sounds like is this a trade paper now? Or is is that how you could it get? It is a trade paperback. Yeah, you wow, it sounds like it. Prometheus, the first man. Yeah, he, he in fact makes the comparison himself to the fact that he's eaten alive every night and regrows every day and, you know, it's it's just like Prometheus chained to the rock. Gross. Yeah, I don't know this one. Yeah, nothing about it, but yeah. that sounds like a good comic book pick-up. Go look it up. It is absolutely the best Marvel comic I've ever read. So, uh, wow. Literally called The by, Hulk. No, Hulk. It's Hulk. called Hulk The End. Wow. Hulk, the End. Australia will be selling uh, a few copies of that. It's by Peter David. Okay. Yeah, really, really fantastic. Hmm. All right, and my number one. Number one. My number one in the Jamie's Top Ten, the inaugural <laughs> Jamie's Top Ten. That's the graphics, Jamie. <laughs> the graphics are coming in. Number one. <laughs> Star Trek. In what? the Star Trek universe, World War Three ended in 2053. Later on, they'd also suffer a eugenics war, which created Khan. As we see from the events of Star Trek First Contact... Humanity ends up on a path towards forming a united federation of planets and enjoying their best possible future. Hopefully, like humans in Star Trek, the tribes of Unearth will find their path to a brighter future. Now, which Star Trek was this? Which, which, no, no, this is... This all is of Star Trek. All of, all Star, of Trek. Star Trek. But if you go back to... The entire, the entire thing happens after there is a World War Three in, in uh, 2053. Yeah. And... Humanity is almost wiped out. So when they first go back and they meet Cochrane and they save him... Yeah. That it's that kind of world where you know, everything's you know everything's uh, disharmonious. It's all uh, everything's broken up into factions. There's faction fighting and all that sort of thing. Now I don't know much about the eugenics war except for the fact that's who spawned Khan, isn't it? That's, yep. Yeah. So. And I think they were kind of bred to be workers. And this is all within the Star Trek It's all within Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, that that seems to me like it's the most likely outcome for uh, Apocalypse because nothing's really devastated. It's It's just everything's pretty strong. Everything's sort of splintered. Um, well, you know, on Skynet, we can always just pull the plug. I mean, honestly. No, but it takes seconds before they realise what's the biggest threat. Humans are. True. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, they launched the code. Bang, yeah, bang. bang. Um, you know, what I, really like about, what I really like about Star Trek in this context is that there's almost no post-apocalyptic stories where we actually recover, we actually succeed, we, we put it all yeah. back together as humanity. This is the one. 
Well, that was right, Rodenberry's gig. One bright future that we have. Yeah, we yeah. yeah, but under everybody gets unified under a one flag, so it becomes a what is it? A utilitarian or social uh, social socialist socialist plan. Yeah, and that was Rodenberry's. You know, always these things. He's always a, a bright future and all that sort of stuff. My reaction to this one being at number one is that I f- I feel after a strong performance ten through through to two, which we've agreed and discussed and all that yeah. sort of stuff, I feel that every Jamie top ten from this point forward will end with Star Trek being at number one somehow. <laughs> is that a possibility there, Jamie? Because if it is, I like it. Look, it, it would be an entertaining ongoing joke, but no, I don't think so. See what you've started, I do Daniel. I say, look, there, there's a lot that I couldn't fit on this list. The Road, actually, you mentioned, is a fantastic yeah. book um, that I really love. Um, Cormac McCarthy. I intentionally, yeah. I intentionally didn't use any zombie stuff in here because um, I figured that some, somewhere down the line we will probably do a zombie one. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, there are so many post-apocalyptic stories that narrowing it down mm. is hard. Uh, there's the colony. And, uh, these were my these were my favourites. Yeah. yeah. Well, have, have you seen the colony with us? Uh, um, McGregor, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. Same same thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. the same um yeah the colony is not a bad one about uh ravaging um cannibals in a frozen wasteland in the last outpost a snow piercer is another yeah. one that's sort of in the yeah, same oh we need to jamie we need to do a post-apocalyptic uh ice you know Frozen waste <laughs> games. That's what we need to do. All right, let's All move right. it along. Daniel, you made this. Yeah. Okay, so you're responsible for it. I think you've, we've done we quite well. With the... Daniel, you better have liked this segment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, you know what? It's a great uh, way in, too. So if we put a link on the podcast, on, on the show notes there, or on the Facebook page, uh, perhaps we can continue the discussion with anyone who's interested. Well, you just write to us, podcast at sevenlandhand.com. Well, I mean, just put it on the Facebook page. It's probably quicker. Yeah, you can put it on there. Yeah. Under what? Under uh, Jamie's top 10 fo- posts, this is what we talked about. Uh, Jamie, you'll have to get Rachel to do us a picture. Um, oh. Shout out to it's Rachel. Um, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel is from Both Worlds School of Music. Yes. We did our homework during that segment where we were <laughs> listening to Jamie. Uh, so, yeah, if uh, I don't know what services they require, but also uh, he, do- he plays in a... Um, yeah, Ben. In a, yeah, in a band. Yeah, it's Bands, a, like an E Street, um, Bruce Springsteen cover band, yeah. I think. Some sort of tribute thing, maybe? I know, oh, I'm making cool. it up now. I like Bruce Springsteen. I should go see him. Yeah, you should go and see him. I get the feeling we should get down a lot at once sometime. Yeah, we've already said that we yeah. would. But he's just got to be here or we've got to be there. Yeah. So that's the tricky bit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Daniel. Uh, we've got to do this a few more times because you did a great uh, theme tune. Hopefully next month, just as good. See you soon. Welcome back. Neats and twos. It's neats and twos. Neats and twos. Uh, neats and twos this month. Uh, what have we got? Uh, ooh, Good Games Magic Championship is uh, in mm. its final days. The uh, the state championships, I think, are, are finalising. We mentioned that earlier on. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're all going on early in October. Yeah. yeah. Uh, building up to the finalists from the, the winners of each one of those and including uh, Indianapolis Good Games, but not Chicago yet. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, they'll be all. Everybody's flying into um, PAX Melbourne uh, at the end of October, and there'll be the big Good Games Magic Championship final, which will be streaming on some kind of um, social networking system. Won't it? I don't know if it's going to be Twitch or Facebook yeah, or something it, like that. And, uh, absolutely will be. 
Yeah, and that, that'll be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, you could be able to join Aaron and myself uh, commentating on that, and we'll uh, yeah get you through a few of the the strategies and and decks that those got those guys are working on even as we speak. Oh. Um, it's all very exciting, really. Any other neats and toys stuff going on in the uh, in the world out there? That you wanna... uh, I've got uh, a comment from Troy Cleary. Oh, okay. Earth. We'll jump in and head to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I didn't. I had nothing specific. So the answer yeah. is no. The answer is no. In, I should have said that. Yeah. But, um, but in other news, uh, Troy Cleary gave us a, a comment. He did. On our, uh, uh, yeah, his was: I kept banging my leg during an extended gaming session the other day. Right. Eventually, I was asked to stop. I couldn't help it though. I had an itchy knee. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then it started us uh, between uh, Angus Ayres jumped on board yeah. and they were counting up to 10 in Japanese. So very good. That's part of the comment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's an absolutely fascinating read this month. It's so good. We asked for Japanese themed uh, comments. Uh, yeah. Puntastic Japans, as they quickly became known as, and uh, people nailed it. Uh, there's a miso soup got mentioned in you know me so excited about this competition way too many times, um, but uh, we'll just let's just jump ahead to the winner. I think um, uh, who got drawn out of the hat? It was Dan D'August Steamboat. And his comment is an absolute cracker. He's just nailed about all of them. Uh, and hopefully I can read it. It goes something like this. Wasabi, dudes. I am bento on winning this contest, but I have a sensei. I don't have much chance. I tend to put my foot on my mouth. For my family, family's sake, it, sake, 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 yeah. sake for my, that's a tricky one. For my family's sake, <laughs> I better bring home as many games as I can karaoke. Origami be in the doghouse. If I win, Shogun be a lot of fun. I think I didn't know. I didn't mess up all of that. Uh, that's a cracker. Well. <laughs> well done, Dan. That's a that's a absolutely fantastic comment, and uh, it's won you a Tokaido for um, well forever, but for Hooray. September. Congratulations! Mm, he also sounds like he's a, a uh, an eighties wrestler too. Dandy August Steamboat. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and what it was a good. winner! Uh, and, we, and we responded and said, wow, great comment, Dan. And he got back to us with a bowing uh, man with, uh, you know, in a, in a praying position gif, which is <laughs> quality. Yeah, full on great entries there. I'll just see if I can quickly find anybody uh, that there was so, so, there's so many funny while ones. While you're looking, yeah. the contest is going to go up pretty soon. It's pretty much at the same time as this episode for you to win a copy of Unearth. Yes. And uh, look, if, you, uh, if you're not keen on that, you can still go into a good games. Any good games above sea level, I believe we said. So good games Atlantis is sadly out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Only until it rises again. 10% off a copy of Unearth. How do you do that, Matt? Well, simple. You bring your shovel, your pick, your trowel, walk up to the counter. Uh, don't threaten the person behind the counter with it because that'll instantly get you kicked out. And They're then... going to be scared enough of a man walking up. <laughs> Or a woman walking up carrying a shovel. Yeah. And then say in a big voice, Can, Can you, you dig, dig it? it? Like that. Yeah. And you've got to extend your hands uh, out wide as if you're trying to make a statement. You don't have to do any of those things except say, Can you dig it? That's all, all right. you've got to do. But um, yeah, that's it. And uh, you get 10% off of um, Unearth, which is proper good value. Um, so uh, Dandy Augustine but won the game. Uh, we're going to get in touch with you, Dan. Tell you how to w- how to collect that. Um, what else have we got? Anything else? Um, 
I think that's about it. Um, you can always send us uh, emails, of course, to uh, podcast yes. at sevenlanehand.com or you can Please. check us out on the Facebook page. Yeah. Please jump on iTunes and give us a rating, ideally a five-star rating, and uh, get word of the podcast out there to other people. Yes. And, yeah, and more, most of all, we want the listeners of this show to be winning these board games. So please read the comments. I'm starting to put curly things in there. We have a bit of a chat after this, and we put a like a yeah, put a yeah. comment. But then we'll we'll shake it up a little bit. So make sure you pick up on how we're shaking it up, because we don't want those people that are just floating in off the internet and going comment. Thanks. Yeah. This is a good contest. We don't want, we don't want them people winning. None. And because it's sort of by random, but we do love your f- hilarious comments. We'll read them out. If we read them out, we'll, uh, we'll send you a badge. Of yeah, your if you want one, let us know if you do. Uh, Could they get the Mighty Charging Badger badge? Yeah, yeah. You can. The most popular badge on the internet, it seems. Oh, I've got it in my show notes. Uh, if you if you read out one of your comments, we'll send you one of our cool badges. Or if we've run out, we'll send you a charging badger badge. <laughs> <laughs> your comments make us uh, make us happy, and they make us come back, smile, and and then want to yeah keep doing this thing. You know, we're not a part of a network or anything like that, but we uh, we uh, the little podcast that could and did and did. So the last thing then is. Uh, Tell us what you think of the new segment. Um, if uh, if you've heard enough of me and you want me to shut up, well, say that. If not, then hopefully you enjoyed it, and I'd like you to say that too. Yeah. All right, good stuff. So, show 104, all the Ixland goodness that we can jam into a show will be out in about a fortnight's time. Um, get to see the guys... Uh Recording that show, if that's your thing, if you like to spend three, four, or five hours, however long it takes, watching them uh, run around giggling at each other, yeah, sure. like girls, they're braiding each other's hair. Yeah, I hope sort of one thing. of you'll be dressed like a pirate, one of you'll be dressed like a vampire <laughs> conquistador, and one of you'll be dressed like a dinosaur. Yeah, it'll probably oh, happen. The, that, maybe it. that big Tharic, that big blown up um, Tharic costume or whatever. Uh, well, no, no, I was thinking of something from the Invictus stream where they've got a thing called Tharic Tuesday. And it's a big di- a, a dinosaur pun, pun thing that um, forevermore the dinosaur suits are now called Tharic. Okay. Anyway. All right. Referencing something <laughs> that only Matt has heard of. Yeah, that's it. I just realized as that was coming out of my mouth that that's not no. actually a thing outside of the Evictus stream. But anyway, you know. There it is. We just played what's Matt's, what's Matt thinking <laughs> one more time. Well, I think that's it. Good night, I everybody. I never know half the time. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>